the college football experience, Memphis Tigers, 2023 season preview episode on the sports gambling podcast networks brought to you by Patreon. Yes. Our Patreon score exclusive perks and content available only to our patrons at sports gambling podcast.com slash Patreon. Do that. And remember to let it ride. This is Jerry Glanville. And you're listening to SGPN. Let it ride, brother. It's an exciting time to be a Memphis Tiger fan. They got that FedEx money. It's NIL era. And maybe, maybe the Big 12's calling. Maybe the Pac 12's calling. I don't know. Shit. Maybe the ACC's calling. Who knows? It's college football. Maybe, fuck. Maybe the NFL's calling. Who knows? All right. But I'm excited to break down the Memphis Tigers and, uh, and, and, and talk about the upcoming season. We're going to go game by game on the schedule, trying to forecast the way the Memphis Tigers will be in 2023. We're going to look at the offense, defense, special teams, and the transfer portal and talk about the classic, the legendary Liberty bowl uh, a little bit later on, but perhaps you're wondering just who the hell you're listening to. And that's fair. That's very fair. Uh, my name is Colby Swiggin database Dan, AKA pick Don D that's not a pick. This is a pick. He was raised in the land down under where a man thinks on his feet, speaks with his fists and lives by his wits. When Dundee happened, he was a superstar. I smoke and I drink and um, I don't have stress and I'm healthy. And you're nothing but a chameleon, lemon-headed, coward, terrorist pussy. And I'm after you, buddy. You're going to pay for it. Good night. Yes. Love that drop. YouTube that one, David Thompson. And maybe you're watching us on YouTube, youtube.com slash the college experience, because I think I think Memphis fans might sound a little bit like that after a few whiskeys. And they say, whoa, 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 whoa. UCF? Houston? Cincinnati? There's talk of San Diego State. They're all gonna get the pass to the to the P5 and, and we're not gonna get that invite? Oh, I think they got a lot of problems. Those people, not the Memphis Tigers, because the Memphis Tigers have been putting together winning football seasons and basketball seasons for quite a while. I am joined by my co-host. Give it up for host of the FCS college football experience, which you should be subscribed to because what do you tell? I mean, the, the heart of football is in the FCS folks. Come on. Uh, so check out that uh, you, 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 this guy knows college football through and through uh, they call him a uh, golf coast guru. All right. They call him that I call him Mike Rose, AKA golf coast guru. How you doing, Mike? Man, call me whatever you want as long as you don't get my name wrong every single time, like Mr. Ryan Silver Flash. Uh, man, I'm excited <laughs> to talk some Memphis Tigers football. I think uh, <laughs> conferences are missing the boat here on uh, a team that really could blow up. They already got the stadium, uh, cool jerseys. Every Thursday night game at the Liberty Bowl ever has been awesome. This yeah. team has a lot of potential. I've been riding unders under uh, Silver Fresh for a few years. I think this could be the year we may be talking about them in a different light, man. That could be. And look, Memphis, you know, and shout out to Nathan Haynes in the chat. Says he's been listening to all of them. What's up, motherfuckers? He says, Yeah, what's up, man? And uh look, Ryan Ryan Silverhairs is is a a coach that I have, you know, kind of came after in, in previous years, right? I said, you know, I thought it was the cheap hire, you know, but he's not as bad as I thought he would be. And then I uh, look, I got to admit that I, when I think I'm wrong, I will, I will address it. And if you look back at a season ago, man, if you look back and say, 
okay, well this team, a, they made a bowl. Now you should you be probably doing more at Memphis than making a bowl. Sure. You're in a talent rich city, but man, they had some close losses, man. They really had some close losses. Remember that Houston game, one point loss. They got like two onside kicks in the final five minutes. They lost at ECU in four overtimes. Well, that's understandable. It's really hard to win in Greenville because it's the greatest place on the planet. But um, uh, I kept it close, even with Tulane and UCF. Three point loss to SMU. I mean, really, the only game they got smacked was was against Mike Leach, our pal, uh, rest in peace, and and Mississippi State. So, I mean, seven and six a year ago, damn well could have been ten and three. 11 and two, something like that. Uh, what do you make? I, I know, like, I think it's a big year. They didn't fire him after that. I think it's a very big year for Sir Silverfield. He is, uh, he is just 21 and 16 as a head coach of Memphis. I think he's got to win this year. And I wonder what that number would be. Like, do you think if he has, if he has another seven and six season, knowing the pending hope of p- potentially them in a big 12 invite or, or wherever, do you think they would can him with seven and six. If he did that again next year, I think, and we're going to get into it obviously, but I think uh, with this schedule that they have seven and six would be, uh, would be worthy of being, of being fired. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity on the schedule this year for this team to really turn it around. So um, it all starts here, but I'll fire a question right back at you. If this team knocks out eight or nine wins, they're obviously going to keep with uh, Mr. Silverfish do you think that's a great thing? The the thing that I draw, and it's funny, it's a good comparison because Mike Norvell at Florida State last year, big year, looked like he was kind of on his way out. There was all the rumblings about Dion coming there, um, and he had a big year. And now Mr. Norvell is going to hang around down in Florida State for a little while. And I wonder to myself, is that good? I kind of see the same thing here with Mr. Silverfield and this <laughs> schedule. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, I mean, is it good? <laughs> Yeah, fair, fair. And those are all, all key questions that I would ask. Like, if you're a Memphis Tiger fan, well, let me ask that at the, or let me answer that. If I could speak English, it'd be great. Uh, at the end of the episode, uh, shout out to the whole chat, though. Nathan Haynes was talking. Colin Fletcher said, just found Kobe and the gang three months ago. Uh, you've been living life the wrong way. Whoa, whoa. Uh, perhaps I appreciate you. Spread the word if you can. And shout out to Anthony Eason as well. It says, Memphis is a sleeping giant, in his opinion. If they get power five status, I completely agree. Uh, we're going to talk, uh, remind me to close out with that because I, I, I think, I think that's a good way to end the show. Uh, folks, we're going to talk all about it. We're going to talk transfer portal, offense, defense, special teams, go game by game on Ryan silver, silver knobs, uh, you know, tw- 2023 schedule. That's, and folks, it, that's an old school joke. Cause we, when he first got hired, uh, we didn't realize I think it was an episode or two where we, we messed up his name and kind of ran with it on purpose. And then, uh, you know, then a bunch of people started commenting saying we're idiots for not knowing his name, even though we knew his name, but we thought it was humorous to, uh, to, to, to mess it up. Same with the UCF very golden Knights. If you ever wonder that reference too. So don't worry, we're going to talk all about it. And uh, Ryan silverfish, we, we apologize if uh, you, you're personally listening to this. Um, but you know, Come on, my name's Colby. My whole life I've been hearing fucking people call me Corey, Kobe, Con- Connor, everything. You know what I mean? A douchebag. I get that every every so often. Uh, look, before uh, before we get into all that though, I want to tell you that the college football experience, Memphis Tigers 2023 season preview episodes, brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Patreon. Yes, do your part in the war against corporate gambling people and sign up for the SGP Patreon. There's a ton of exclusive content, contests, and merch just for our patrons. Uh, plus, a monthly SGP Stories podcast. Yeah, you want to hear some stories? Oh, we got you covered. We got you covered. Uh, it's an ad free, uncensored show highlighting the best stories from decades of being DJs. And look, everyone wants that the ones that are not released to the public. You know what I mean? Come on. That's. There's a reason why they made a fucking show about Pam and Tom's uh, video. You know what I mean? Not saying, not saying that I'm going to be on a boat. That'd be great if we did a fucking out on a boat in Cabo San Lucas. Uh, but look, um, they're, they're, it's just fantastic, right? There, there's a uh, monthly stories. You're going to hear all that, all the stuff behind the scenes. 
Uh, there's even a Discord channel for the patrons. Sports Gambling Podcast uh, Patreon is a great way to score exclusive perks and support SGPN. Once again, sportsgamblingpodcast.com/slash/patreon. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com/slash/patreon. Let it ride, people. All right, we are back on the college football experience. Memphis Tigers. I know Ordron. Ordron wasn't uh, ever a coach at Memphis, as far as I know. And uh, but still, I still feel like with any Tigers, you could say we Tigers. Um, well, and you know that's the name. If so, if if Silverhairs isn't able to get it done, Ordron, come on. I know Patty C, huge fan of uh, Mississippi River football. Memphis, if you've been to Memphis, Tennessee, is right there on the sweet Mississippi River. Um, so uh, let's 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 hop in. Let's start with the transfer portal because that's always such a big factor in college football in 2023. The offense, the defense. You know, we're gonna we're gonna talk all of that. But the portal man has been just. I remember doing sh- this same exact show five six years ago, and you'd be like, you'd highlight like two players transferred. Oh. They lost a backup linebacker to Nickel State, and they brought in a wide receiver from Miami. Oh, interesting! Two players. Now it's like the fucking four hundred five freeway on a Friday. Um, departing offensive tackle Chris Morris said, "I'm out." He's just still in the portal. Offensive lineman Devonte Dobbs says, "I'm out." He's still in the portal. Defensive lineman J- uh, Javon Nelson's in the portal. Linebacker Davion Mayo portal. Man, a lot of people just stuck in that portal. Safety Brandon Warner portal. Tight end Arrington McCray portal. Uh, linebacker Antoine Barham portal. Defensive lineman James Stewart portal. Defensive lineman James Quinterly portal. Uh, they did lose cornerback Tyrell Raby to uh, to the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders and Coach Rick Stockstill. Uh Cornerback Ladarian Polk portal. Um. This one, uh, also Martin at the running back spot to the Troy Trojans in the Sun Belt just won a uh, Sun Belt championship. So interesting one there. Eddie Lewis and the news at the wide receiver spot. Uh, he heads out to South Carolina and the Gamecocks. Tough loss there. Linebacker Jared Ned is in the portal. Uh, wide receiver Cameron Wright also in the portal. Defensive lineman Cameron Jackson, four-star transfer recruit. This was a brutal one to the Florida Gators. That's going to hurt a little bit. Wide receiver Jav- uh, Javon uh, or Javon Ivory to South Alabama, another really good school in the Sun Belt. Tight end Caden Priestcorn, uh, Priestcorn, some shit like that. He's now at Ole Miss uh, with the Lane Train. That that one, I mean, these are that, that was a pretty big hit there. Then you have uh, linebacker Warren Peoples. He also hit the portal. Quarterback J.C. French. Running away like the French, all the way to Georgia Southern, all right, in Statesboro. Uh, he hit the portal, and then uh, they lost uh, running back Rodriguez Clark to uh, to Southern Miss, and kicker David Kemp to the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Also, wide receiver Markel Jones in the portal. Man, this list goes on and on. Uh, athlete Eric Rivers. All right. Uh, no relation to Doc, but he is now at Florida International in the airport. And wide receiver Marlon Crockett is now at Arkansas. Whew. I mean, there's a few other ones. Rush, not Rush Limbaugh, Rush Lansdale. He is. Uh, he's in the portal at the linebacker spot. And I believe, I believe that's. I probably missed some. This is like, uh, this is like picking up a phone book. Um, remember those things. Um, Incoming. Ah, see, I'm not even. I haven't even done incoming yet, man. I just, I'm t- sick of talking. Uh, incoming from the portal is safety Cameron Miller from the Tennessee Volunteers. Offensive tackle, four-star transfer. Get Colin Montgomery from the Oklahoma Sooners. Huge fucking get there. Absolutely huge. Um, offensive tackle Falentha Carswell from. The Ole Miss Rebels. So it's like they did a little trade. Colorado safety Tyron Taylor transfers to uh, Memphis. Colorado tight end Austin Smith also transfers to Memphis. Offensive tackle Marcus Henderson from the Arkansas Razorbacks transfers into the Memphis Tigers. Wide receiver Demir uh, Blankumsey 
from the Toledo Rockets transfers into Memphis. Safety Simeon Blair, who I know from uh, Arkansas as well, he comes into the Memphis Tigers. Defensive lineman Josh Ellison from the Oklahoma Sooners, four-star transfer. That's a huge one, especially knowing what they lost on the defensive line. Comes in to the Memphis Tigers. Texas A&M transfer uh, Adarius Jones also comes into the Memphis Tigers. Cornerback Malik Feaster from Florida State comes into the Memphis Tigers. Wide receiver uh, Toski Dove from the Missouri Tigers, bringing in some SEC talent. He transfers in. LSU offensive lineman Xavier Hill transfers in as well. Uh, defensive end from FAU. I like this get too. Jalen Joyner transfers in. And Mississippi State running back Katravian Hargrove transfers in, as well as Ohio State safety Jalen Johnson and punter Reed Bauer from the Arkansas Razorbacks comes in, as well as I love this kid here, Old Dominion running back Blake Watson. This guy was good at ODU. Uh, linebacker Chandler Martin also comes in from the East Tennessee State. What is their name? Buccaneers, I believe. Uh, they're coming in, and uh, I think that's that's it. I, I think. Um, man, that's a lot of names. All right, that's just, that's a lot of names right there. Uh, what do you make of the portal, man? Yeah. So, a, on, what's up? No, I'm sorry. Is that a win or <laughs> or a loss? I know that that's really hard to gauge, but I'm curious your take. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a lot of names flying in and out, and and, and you really got to pay attention. You know what I do is I kind of look for okay, what are the positions that are hurting, and what you bring in. That's how I really gauge it. Um, how I'm looking at the offensive line on offense, they lost two fifth year, uh, senior tackles last year from last year's roster. They don't have them anymore. Their interior line center guard spots. Good returning starters, the tackles they're missing them. So on offense, uh, Colin Montgomery, you brought up Falentha Carswell, Marcus Henderson from Arkansas. You brought in some talent there. On defense, one of the big weaknesses I was seeing is uh, cornerback, which, you know, they have some talent coming back there, but they had the 88th passing defense in the country, so it wasn't great. Now, what they were strong on uh, was their rush defense, and they lost their interior defensive lineman. I didn't see a ton of names coming in on that, so I kind of give it a wash a little bit. I would like to see them kind of focus on that interior defensive line, uh, especially being that they run a 4-3, so... I think the edges look good. I think the interior a little questionable. So at the end of the day, you think you think slight loss on the portal because of the tackles? Is that what I'm gauging from all that? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a wash uh, for the most part a wash because I think when you really look at what Memphis does, they like their offense. They don't so much like their defense. So uh, yeah. they're playing into into what they've been doing under uh, Silver Flesh this whole time. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, let's, let's talk about this offense because uh, a a season ago, 21st in scoring offense in the nation, 74th in rush offense, uh, pass offense back to 21st in the nation and the total offense at 38th top 40 offense. You gotta be happy with that. If you're a tiger fan defensively, uh, well, actually let's pump the brakes. Let's talk about defense in a second. Uh, Seth Hennigan's remember the Seinfeld. That's why I drink Hennigan's. Um, he is back for his junior season, and you gotta like that because this guy's been playing pretty much since he's a freshman. So super experienced quarterback. And le- and remember, the AAC is losing UCF, Houston, Cincy. I know Tulane's back. They won the conference a year ago, but besides them, you can make a case them and and you know East Carolina because they're the greatest. Um, that it's really you know I get it. UTSA is coming in and some other good schools as well. But it might be ripe for the taking there if you're a Memphis Tiger fan uh, with Hennigan back, a super experienced quarterback. Also, I, I mean, the running back room seems pretty pretty impressive to me. So they bring in Blake Watson. They still have Sutton Smith, and they still have Brandon Thomas and Ducker, or uh, yeah, J- Javon Ducker from Northern Illinois. I mean, this is this is a, a crowded backfield of of guys that. I think are pretty good. I think it's actually one of the best backfields in the AAC. What do you, what do you make of the backfield? Yeah, I agree. I, I love Ducker. I remember watching him pop at NIU under uh, Tommy hammock there. And then uh, something, I mean, you hit all the names, but something to remember too is, is Hennigan actually, you know, for kind of a fairly big frame, he's, he's actually pretty mobile. Um, him and Brandon Thomas actually both combined for 557 yards on the ground. So that adds a real element that, uh, you know, I would like to see them 74th rushing offense in the country. 
a year ago, I would like to see them kind of lean on that a little bit more, especially when the interior of your line is, is looking as good as it is. Yeah. And, and, you know, the receiving core, obviously the big one there, it's like, you lost a lot of those wideouts to, uh, to the transfer portal slash graduation. And, but they, they actually uh, had, you know, as far as drops go, they were one of the worst teams in the country. As far as that, I know they might have some explosive, you know, capabilities, but they, they definitely dropped the hell out of the ball a season ago. So maybe that all those losses aren't as bad as we think, but uh, Toski Dove played at at Missouri. He comes in. I know they're they're counting on Rock Taylor uh, as another wideout. Joseph Skates as well. Um, I I actually think the receiving core. I I know is probably just by looking at the names here and saying, well, you know, they could pr- they could be as productive as a year ago. I, I I actually don't really panic too much in the receiving area because if they led that the, or they didn't lead the country, but they were one of the worst teams in the country with drops. The tight end hit, sure, I, I can buy into that, but and I think they're going to go with what uh, I think it's a it's a little bit of a competition between what Chisholm and uh, Lanfear. So um, I I understand that the room for concern, but I'm not going to panic. Tell me if you're telling me on the offense the biggest concern is the wideouts. I could, I, I, I think that's a good problem to have. Offensive line. I know we alluded to this, uh, sp- specifically you. They got hit in the portal with uh, and graduation, but uh, you know they are bringing back some guys that that I, I do think you could be happy with. Uh, mainly center Jacob likes, also Davion Carter who played in 11, started 11 games a season ago at the right guard spot. And then Jonah Gamble, great name. Um, the tackles, obviously the concern, but that's why they, they, that's why they can take advantage of the portal and bring in these guys. So, you know, bringing in a Marcus Henderson from Arkansas, um, the, the kid, Jack Greer, Greer, I believe it is from Ole Miss uh, and some of those other transfers from the portal. I mean, who knows how good they'll be, but to me, uh, I can buy into it being all right. I can buy into it being all right, especially with an experienced quarterback. What do you make of the offensive line and really the whole offense in general? Yeah. I mean, offensive line, same thing as you. I I think they plugged some pieces in that could really help. So, I mean, I mean, you can't say that you're not going to miss two fifty or seniors, but I I think they went out and they did the best they could in the portal. So uh, respect for that. When you're talking the receivers, yeah, they lost the top five targets from last year. Now you already talked about the drops. The other thing is, is you're talking about a little bit of a system team. So uh, I think you got a whole off season for Hennigan to go ahead and get familiar with his new targets. These guys are going to come in. They're really excited about Demir Blake Cumsey. From yeah. what I see, uh, he's he's expected to kind of be the deep threat this year. He's got, he's the guy. He's a burner. Uh, impressed in the spring game. So that's something you know. As long as he can hold on to the ball when he catches it, uh, I don't know, maybe coat his hands and some stick them like Orlando Jones and the replacements. Let's go. <laughs> let's do it. I think the offense is going to be fine. It's Memphis's strong point. I, I think they're good. Yeah. And then uh, the, I, I do too. Like I actually think there'll probably be another top 40 offense, if not better, knowing that the schedule gets lighter. Cause there's no Houston UCF since on the schedule. Uh, and, and you could also make a case with no Mississippi state there. Mississippi state was a nine win team a season ago in the sec West uh, defensively 59th in scoring defense from a season ago as a second year defensive coordinator, Matt Barnes, no relation to the guy that uh, fucked Derek Fisher's wife or, or whatever ex ex wife. It's fine. Oh yeah. <laughs> But uh, Matt Barnes is a defensive coordinator, and who knows? Maybe he's fucking your wife. All right, uh, <laughs> you never know. It's a wild world out there. But uh, 59th in scoring defense, 27th in rush defense, passing defense at 88th. That is what we circle. Total defense though, charting at 50th. So top 50 defense, top 40 offense. This team is probably a lot better than their record indicates from a season ago. But as we alluded to, uh, you know, a minute ago, the defensive line. When you lose a couple guys, uh, they're they're counting on they're counting on some guys coming in. Now I will say, if these guys are just any good, which makes me think they could be, especially on the AAC level, because uh, Cremonte Hamilton is a uh, Ohio State transfer. All right, uh, Josh Ellison is an Oklahoma transfer. If these guys can just break through, uh, they return Jalen Allen at the at the the, the left end spot. Uh, I know they're counting on Zy, Zy Brockington at the other defensive tackle spot, 
but uh, if those transfers can pay off, I think they could really have a great season. Um, linebacker room seems to be, you know, another one where they only return one of three, but once again, they go out and get East Tennessee state's Chandler Martin, who uh, East Tennessee state played pretty solid ball over the past few years in the FCS. Once again, we, we host the FCS college football experience, subscribe, tell a friend, uh, but Jeffrey uh, Canton Arku uh, was at Syracuse for a few years. He's there in that linebacking core. So a little bit unproven, but I can tell you this, if there's a strength on the defense, I do think it's going to be the secondary, despite their numbers from a season ago, because when you bring in Malik Feaster from Florida state at the cornerback spot, you return uh, what Davion Ross, who was honorable mentioned all AAC a year ago at the other corner spot. You bring in Simeon Blair from Arkansas, uh, Cameron Miller from Tennessee, uh, the the other kid from Colorado, and then you bring back uh, your starting free safety, Greg Rubin. I actually think the secondary is going to be pretty damn good this year. How about yourself? Uh, I mean, it's it's so hard for me to. It, that's it's kind of the beauty of college football, right? Is the reason you can kind of like gauge it, even if you don't dig deep, like we do is teams kind of do the same thing year in and year out. So even when I see all the names coming into the Memphis tigers, I, I it's hard for me to like stand there and be like, no, this team's going to defend the pass really well. Um, and it also, it seems like when a team is kind of like a high flying passing offense, typically they don't defend the pass all that well. And they end up in a lot of shootouts, stuff like that. So um, also defensive backs and uh, from Ohio state don't always really excite me. Maybe some safeties here and there, but, uh, and, and uh, same thing from Oklahoma defense last year. So I'm hoping these guys fair the talent will prevail, <laughs> but, fair, um, but this is a different AAC. Like I said, you lose three, you know, you lose three of the top five teams in the AAC. I, you're kind of going to be going up against the conference USA in a way. So that's, That's where true. you say, Hey, this is kind of, this is kind of uh, our area to hit. They brought also, man, they brought in like a and M transfer. I know a and M wasn't good, but I mean, we know they've been recruiting really high. Um, yeah. I mean, I get your point. I get your point, but uh, they were still top 50 overall. They were 50th. You know what I mean? Like th- this area, this team could be a lot better uh, just knowing they bring back a few key pieces and were very active in the portal. So they could be better and and the competition's going down. So I think the defensive numbers would probably be better as well. I'm a little bit concerned on the defensive line. I think that's the thing that's got to prove it to me. They, uh, they are breaking in a new kicker that came over from Sam Houston state and Seth Morgan and punter Reed Bauer also coming in from Arkansas. So special teams, brand new. Uh, I mean, I kind of think this team is is ready to take a jump, so I understand maybe why they brought Silverchild back for uh, another year. Uh, before we go game by game, you you would agree with that assessment? Yeah, I mean I, another thing too is is something I like is, is the defensive ends that you mentioned. They both get a little bit of pressure on the quarterback, so that always helps out your secondary. If your defensive ends can get in there, force some bad passes, then your cornerbacks gonna look a little better there. So. I, I agree. I, th- I think there is room for improvement here that we might see. There we go. There we go. Let's go tiger fans. All right. Look, before we go game by game on the schedule, hopefully you're watching on YouTube, youtube.com slash the college experience, subscribe, tell a friend, because also we, we, we host the college basketball experience. And when the season tips, I'm here every night. And I know Penny Hardaway has got a really good team uh, on paper coming into this season. So folks check us out there, but uh, we, we come together as one on YouTube, youtube.com slash the college experience. Uh, if you're watching, you'll see that sweet, sweet uh, artwork in the background. Uh, but look, before we get to going game by game, I want to tell you that the Memphis Tigers 2023 season preview episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Yes, the NFL season's right around the corner, and Underdog Pickup is a great way to get down on a ton of NFL player props and is available in a ton of markets. Uh, plus, there are plenty of ways, uh, plenty of opportunities to win, uh, to win on their MLB daily contest. And make sure you enter their best ball mania where, you know, first place gets uh, just, just a cool hard uh, $1 million cash. Boom. Uh, head on over to underdogfantasy.com. Use that promo code SGPN for hundred percent deposit bonus up to a hundred dollars. Once again, that's underdogfantasy.com promo code S G P N. And, and, and I want to just crowbar this in folks. We went with underdog for a couple of years. 
when college football starts, and I know Memphis plays some of these Thursday and Friday night games, they do a great job on player props within college football play- games. So, you know, and uh, you can find great value in my opinion. If you know college football well, hop on in, check it out. Underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. All right, we are back on the college football experience. Shout out to the whole chat. We got Dick Gersberger in there rocking. He's rocking. He wants that Hall of Fame SGPN degenerate Jack. You need it, brother. Um, and and Dick Ersberger says, "Give me the over on the seven and a half wins." Uh, look, we're gonna get to that because look, if you're watching on YouTube right now, you see the win total. Shout out to Cam Kerr. Seven and a half wins. They won seven a year ago, and the conference is getting worse. And they bring back their starting quarterback. So call me crazy, but. Without really looking forward, you know, looking deep into it, I would say, give me the over on first reaction. How about yourself, Mike? So first reaction, like I said, uh, ever since Norvell left, I've kind of been riding Memphis unders, and I haven't been super impressed with this team. So first reaction, without getting into the schedule, I was going to say under on this team, even at seven and a half. Yeah, I mean, I I think I would have been in agreement had the AAC not not shifted. You know what I mean? So like, then I'm like, oh, they should be able to. And then when you dive into last season and the way they lost some of those close games, but let's get to it. Let's go game by game on the schedule because uh, week one, I mean, this one, um, this one should should get ugly. Um, September second, Bethune Cookman. Remember Ed Reed? He was their coach for like five minutes. He he picked up some trash and said, "Man, fuck this." All right, yeah, that's always great. That's like when you sign up for the job and you don't realize, you know, how ridiculous. I remember, <laughs> I I was uh, I was throwing newspapers as like a high school kid in the in on on the weekends in the Washington D.C. area, and I had a buddy. And it's funny because we, he just, he never really had a job growing up. Whereas, like, I worked at the grocery store, I worked at another, another spot. Uh, well, he, uh, he, he, I was like, dude, come make some bucks. Th- you know, throw some newspapers. You got to bag them outdoors and shit. Right. And he, uh, he was like, okay. It was the winter, you know, in Washington, D.C. area and uh, very cold. And he came out and that was the one time <laughs> he, He's a good friend to this day, but he, after one night he was like, yeah, I'm okay on this job, man. I'm going to stay inside. <laughs> All right. I'm going to stay inside. Uh, per, that was the Ed Reed approach. Cause uh, Bethune Cookman, I think Reggie Theus is the former basketball player. who's also their basketball coach. I believe is their athletic director. They're not going to be very good. So I will lay a solid 35 uh, with Memphis, maybe even more. Uh, depends when they call off the dogs, but I got to want to know. How about you? <laughs> yeah, uh, I was out in Daytona not too long ago, uh, campus right across from uh, the racetrack. Um, I've seen Costco's bigger than the Bethune Cookman campus. So, uh, not surprised Ed Reed didn't really stick it out there. I'm sure panhandling with a guitar case is working out way better. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, definitely Memphis here. <laughs> yeah, and then week two, and shout out to this game. Uh, my only knock with my the week two game. Is it should be a weekday game because this is a rivalry game. Uh, they're about forty-five minutes apart. Anyone ever been to Memphis, Tennessee? There, and the Peabody and everything. Uh, you know, you're right. You're like a f- you could throw a fucking rock to uh, to Arkansas. So Jonesboro, Arkansas, about forty-five minutes away. These teams have played uh, what I think over seventy times uh, historically. Currently, uh, Memphis has an eight-game lead on them. Uh, their first ever matchup was uh, in 1917, just to give you an idea. I'm sorry. No, 1914. Wow. 1914 was their first ever matchup where Arkansas state went 18 to six. So love this game on the schedule. It's it's in Jonesboro at uh, Centennial bank or whatever the hell they're calling that stadium now. Um, but um, I, I, uh, I gotta say, I think I, I think I still lean Memphis, even though it's a rivalry game. I just think they're the more talented team. Butch Jones, I know he's been recruiting at a high level in the Sun Belt, but I I just don't like what I see there. So I I lean Memphis here. Excited to watch this game. Wish it was like a week two schedule is fucking unbelievable. So like, the, folks, if it's not too late, Memphis. If you 
the athletic directors listening to this, move this thing to a Friday, please. Um, but anyway, uh, what are you doing here in this game? Yeah. I mean, this game's been surprisingly close the last uh, few years. Memphis has won it three straight times uh, since 2020, but the games have all been within three scores, which uh, kind of picture Memphis as a team that would bury a team that struggles like Arkansas state. So I guess that gives a little credence to the rivalry. Uh, like you said, Butch Jones been recruiting really well. I've been kind of watching. I know he's not a great coach, but I've been watching and kind of waiting to see the talent show there in the Sun Belt hasn't happened. Uh, I got to favor Memphis, even on the road. I'm going Memphis for the win. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, so two and oh, and then we do have a weekday game. So uh, that's another thing is you would, if there's even more than more of an advantage to, to play that Arkansas state game on a weekday, cause get yourself some full rest before you host the Navy midshipman and, and Brian Newberry, brand new head coach at Navy. So I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by this member, but uh, I think the NCAA rules have been, I think the first off, I think they're fucking ridiculous. And I think the, NCAA, I had the opportunity to interview Troy Calhoun the other day. He thought they were ridiculous. And uh, you know, I, I have a lot of question marks with the service academies coming into to this season because of these ridiculous rule changes that frankly, I think make the game more dangerous. Um, I'm going to take them to beat Navy because Navy's kind of an enigma. We know army's running out of the gun. We know air force is going to be running out of the gun. I haven't heard any reports on what Brian Newberry's doing. I know he hired the OC from Kennesaw, uh, you know, and it seems like Memphis has had their number lately, which, you know, I think they've won a few in a row, I think. Um, so I, I will take Memphis to be three and zero. How about yourself? Yeah. Um, so it seems like Navy's kind of going the air force route, uh, as opposed to the army route, they're going to stick with what they know, maybe pass a little more, but still kind of run the triple option as well as they can. So, uh, it's going to be a big adjustment year for Navy. I think, especially when you factor in the new coach Memphis, it's, it's surprising when I think of teams that do well against the service academies against the triple option, I think, uh, you know, like a Notre Dame, obviously who plays Navy all the time. And you're like, okay, Notre Dame, that's a smart intellectual school. Typically, you know, the players that they're going to get their higher caliber intelligence because they supposedly have to be, if you believe that argument, um, Memphis, isn't one of those schools I would see that way, but they, they typically, they hand it to Navy. So last year, 37 to 13, they've won four straight. I'm going to go with Memphis again here. Yeah. So I, I agree. And, and it is weird because you, you, I, historically you think of Memphis as kind of like a pussy defense. over the the past, like 10 years, I feel like. And, uh, and Navy, you would think Navy would, would thrash them, but they, they haven't, uh, this game sucks. One Uh, thing uh, though, one one thing with that game though, uh, you look at it and it is on a short week for both teams. So we don't know what the hell Navy's going to run. Ryan silver fresh probably doesn't know what they're going to run either. So yeah, short week could be interesting to prepare for that one. You know? Yeah, uh, I think Navy gets that Notre Dame Week Zero matchup though. That he'll probably study some tape on that. But yeah. this next game, so Saturday, September twenty third. I think it, I think it sucks. I mean, I like the game, but they could be playing this at the Zoo in Columbia, Missouri, or at the Liberty Bowl. Two great stadiums. Instead, they decide on the NFL corporate fucking bullshit game in St. Louis at this terrible stadium, this roller rink this thing that should only host fucking monster truck madnesses. And you know what I mean? Stuff like that. Uh, Missouri. I mean, this game's interesting because Missouri, I want to say Missouri dropped like a 60 spot on them like four years ago, but uh, you know, Memphis, I think the all time series is four to one in Missouri's favor. I'm surprised they haven't played more. You got a Patty C. I hear Patty C. You know, he's not on this episode, but I I can just hear him saying Mississippi river football, baby. Um, I, I'm going to take Missouri to get this done. What are you doing here? I got Missouri as well. Um, this game does follow Kansas State for Missouri, though they play Kansas State the week before, which uh, you know that game goes a little ways back. Kansas State, very physical football team, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do following up playing playing a team like that. But I, I gotta lean Drinkwitz on this one, um, just because the defense on Memphis might be a little susceptible. Yeah. Yeah. So I got them uh, three and one, you got them three and one. And then the Boise state Broncos come to town. They've never played Boise. I like this. You know, this is like a battle to see who can get into the big 12. It's like Brett Yormark saying schedule each other. Winner gets winner gets in 
right? Um, I Boise, I got a favor Boise. Am I concerned a little bit of their super young quarterback on the road? Yes. Taylor green's been very good, but if you look at the, he barely played any road games as a starter a year ago, especially against decent competition. So I am a little nervous, but I am taking Boise state to get this one. And uh, I got him three and two heading into the bye week How about yourself? What are you doing here at the Liberty bowl? This game's awesome. Actually, by the way, this game's a very fun game to watch. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And uh, who better to go into a tough uh, road environment and get a win than Boise. But here's the thing. This is the second uh, leg of a back-to-back for Boise for the Broncos. And Andy Avalos really hasn't proven to be that caliber of coach with the Broncos yet to where I feel confident that they're just going to stroll in there and beat this team. So um, I'm going to go with the Tigers. I'm going to go with Memphis to get this one done and, and, and shut down Taylor green on the road. Wow. Four and one heading into the bye. fucking Beale street will be rocking. BB. <laughs> you'll catch a uh, silver, silver chest at the uh, BB King <laughs> shit hammered every night. Um, all right, out of the buy though, and that's a much needed buy because weeknight game, awesome weeknight game. Patty C, I know he's happy once again. Mississippi Ro- River football is back because, uh, and I still I, I completely agree that they should have to take a riverboat down to this game. All right, uh, call, and I want to document it, and we can document it on SGPN. But I think that would be very cool. I want to see some gambling, some uh, you know, so, some some games, some dice going on the on the old riverboat. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. This I thought this was at Tulane. No, either way, Tulane <laughs> Tulane's got to hop on the riverboat then and go up to Mississippi. Come <laughs> on, let's still take one. Let's it's play fun. into this, and they should go to that. They should go to that Missouri game via the Mississippi. Come on, let's let's do this shit. Let's if we're gonna do it, let's go all the way. All right, uh, and Navy, come on, the Navy should go around. You know what I mean? <laughs> go around the Atlantic, come through the Gulf, come up the Mississippi. We can really do this. Um. This game's awesome. And this was a close game, 10 point game a year ago in New Orleans. Man, I'm gonna take Tulane, but I don't feel great about this. I think it's a one score game, but I I tell you, I am a believer in Willie Fritz. And they bring back Michael Pratt. I think that gives him the edge. Give me Tulane, but I can see this one being a game. I'm excited to watch it. How about you? Yeah, so the home team has won the last six of these matchups. So that already is a little bit in Memphis's favor, I would say. Um, Memphis gets the bye before, but so does Tulane. So kind of even playing field. That's why I'm going to give the edge to Tulane here, just because they get the bye as well. But definitely not a gimme game. And that's one of the things I like about this Memphis team this year. Seems like all their toughest games, they're in the Liberty Bowl. Good recipe for this team. Let's go. They've been playing uh, Tulane since 1954, folks. Love this. Uh, you know, lo- love the history of college football. Um, all right. Well, that puts uh, that puts me at having them at uh, what three and three, three and three, and you got them at four and two. Uh, now they head down to Birmingham, Alabama, to take on Trent Dilfer. <laughs> Cue up the Navy. Yeah. Uh, what did I say for Navy? We could just hit repeat because. I was shocked by the Trent Dilfer hire at UAB. He's made a bunch of crazy headlines this offseason. Um, very, I have no idea how this. This guy has never been a position. He hasn't even been a position coach in college. All, his only college experience is being quarterback of the Fresno State Bulldogs back in the day. Um, I'm taking Memphis to get it done, just because. I mean, I know UAB's been talented lately, and maybe this is a sneaky game, but. I have I have a really hard time forecasting UAB. So give me Memphis in Birmingham at Penetrobe Stadium to get it done. What are you doing here? Yeah, I don't love the hire there. It seems like they just kind of grabbed a big name. If you consider Trent Dilfer a big name, you know, like Nathan Haynes uh, in the chat, he said, "Who else is coming to coach at Memphis?" I, I mean, one of the names you could just kind of casually toss out, maybe Eddie George. Is he ready yet? No, but. Like Dion, I don't necessarily think Dion is some great coach, but you bring a name, you add in the portal, you add in NIL, you get some good yeah. coordinators and pieces around. Now you're talking about a good program. Trent Dilfer, I, I, I don't know if I'm a recruit. If I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to go to Birmingham, Alabama to play for Trent. For he Dilfer, has won a Super you know? Bowl. He's like, hey, I won a Super Bowl. What yeah. do you got? Yeah. But ask, you uh, ask homeless Eddie Reed if Trent Dilfer won that Super Bowl. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know if he did. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Memphis. I, I don't like the hire. I'm not confident in the team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think they're a fascinating story. Like if I had a list, 20 teams, we have to watch each week in college football. UAB would be on that list. Um, back to back away here in Denton, Texas. Once again, a brand new head coach. How many fucking brand new head coaches do they, do they play? Um, they're in Denton, Texas. Um, I got to give the edge to Memphis, but October 28th could be a little sneaky back to back away. There's that crazy stat over the past few years about the second end of a back to back away, but you know what? Give me Memphis to jump back to, to, uh, to five and three. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you created that crazy stat. I remember that's, that's where I really started following onto it as I, after I started listening to you. So yeah, shout out to you on that one. And uh, five, that's another thing I love about the schedule, five new head coaches and not just like new, <laughs> like to the program, they're friggin' new to the whole uh, head coaching role. So very interesting. Um, to, I, I got to go with Memphis here. I think it might be a little bit of a shootout maybe, but uh, yeah, Memphis for me. Yeah. Uh, five and three for you. It's what? Six and four or six and two, six and two. Six and right? two. Uh, I can't do math. Uh, South Florida. They, they went out and hired Alex Galesh, former Russian, Russian <laughs> spy. Russian All defector. Right? Man. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, he's now the, after coming over from Tennessee, he's uh he's the new head coach at South Florida there in Tampa. I mean, that's a, an area with a lot of talent still year one. Give me Memphis here to get it done. Uh, that moves me to six and three. Once again, that win total seven and a half folks. What are you doing here at, at the Liberty bowl against USF, the South Florida bowls? Yeah. So this is my area. I live in the Tampa area and uh, this is one of the least sexy hires of the year. Uh, there was rumblings about Dion coming. Dion wanted say in the new stadium. I'm like, Give Dion say in the new stadium. Give him the the mayor's wife. Give him whatever you want. I don't care. Keep the key to the city. Whatever you need to give him, give him it. Uh, give him Derek Fisher's wife. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's getting <laughs> passed around. No offense. I'm sure she's a great woman. Uh, <laughs> but Galesh, um, what I don't like is when you hire a coordinator, uh, particularly in this case, an offensive coordinator from a coach that is clearly an offensive mind. Heupel was Scott Frost's offensive coordinator. He was the genius behind that. Now I think we're kind of seeing with what happened with Scott Frost when he went to Nebraska and then Heupel goes to Tennessee, blows that thing up. So I can't put my faith in Galesh because I don't know if I trust him as an OC when you got such a good offensive mind as the head coach. I don't love the hire. I love the game for Memphis. I think it's an easy win. All right. And now November 11th, they head to Jerry Richardson Stadium to take on Biff Pogey, who was fucking hilarious today at AAC Media Days. I, dude, did you see that? Yeah, I did. I, dude, I, that guy. I took the under on Charlotte, and folks, I can tell you, someone in the chat was saying they wrote down all my overs or unders. Uh, I'm gonna reverse mine to the over. I'm sold. He had a confidence about him. He's like, only three fucking questions. You picked us to be last. And then he slams his hand down on the table. I'm buying in, I'm buying stock. Maybe this is an upset. I actually kind of fear this game, but uh, I'll take Memphis because I think they're more talented right now. But I'm telling you, I think this game might be a little harder than what we think. Uh, give me Memphis to get it done and go to seven and three with two games left. Uh, what are you doing here? I remember the first pictures coming out of Bipoji. Uh, when he got the job and he had the, the cutoff shirt with the side boob coming out. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm behind this dude. I like this dude. I, I think he's got it. <laughs> um, I think this is a tricky spot. This is a sleeper spot, especially going on the road to the stadium. You've played now three new coaches in a row, maybe three teams that Memphis can exploit a little bit. And you got the SMU game on deck, which what should be, you know, get Could there, be. Maybe, maybe for the conference. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, uh, tough game. I'm, I'm going to go with Memphis just on, on on the rosters, but yeah, sleeper spot. So that puts you on the over eighth win. I'm still at seven, but they host the SMU Mustangs. This game's fantastic. Should move this to the weekdays too on a Thursday night. That'd be nice, but it's not. And uh, look, SMU Memphis. I kind of give the slight edge to Memphis here. It's at the Liberty Bowl. This is kind of a coin flip game for me. But this will push me over to eight wins, eight and three. 
Give me Memphis to take down SMU in in a very interesting game that could dictate the future employment for Ryan Silverchair. Uh, what uh, what are you doing here against against the Mustangs? Yeah, so the home teams won the last four of these games last year, 34, 31 uh, for SMU. Uh, so I saw two 50, 50 games. I saw Boise state and SMU two 50, 50 games were that were home games at the Liberty bowl. I gave them the win over Boise. So I gave them the loss to SMU, but uh, like you said, flip a coin, this one could go either way. Yeah. And then you have the, uh, the, the season finale, just the random fucking game. And this is the one man. This is the one everyone's going to think Memphis is about to play for an AAC championship and they're going to have to make that trip to cold ass Philadelphia with like three people in the fucking crowd, which I think is actually an advantage for temple. When no one goes to the games, the players don't get super excited. There's a psychology on this. It's like, Oh, no one's at this game. You know, like I, this is gonna Dude, this is terrible to me. If I'm, if I'm a Memphis fan, I'm like, damn it. Why couldn't they gave us North Texas at the final game of the year? <laughs> they lose this. They go eight and four. I'm still on the over, barely, right? And I I do think Vegas nailed the number. They nailed the number, but I do think uh, the over is the play. If you're gonna play this, you play the over. And I got Temple pulling upset because let's be honest. I feel like even either te- Temple or Charlotte can get them. Someone's gonna get them that we're not seeing. You go back and look at uh, like I feel like the past couple years, some of their losses are like wait, it's like okay, Temple beat them two years ago. Last time they came to Philly, they lost. Uh, so, what what are you doing here in Philly? <laughs> there's there's a joke in there somewhere about uh, <laughs> a certain Temple alumni and sleepy environments and things getting a little easier. I'm not gonna take it. I'll take the high road. <laughs> Friggin' Temple uh, home team has won the last six of these games, so very good <laughs> chance. I told you, man. <laughs> you know, very good chance, especially this time of year, that you take a loss going up there. But uh, I, I went with Memphis, easily a game they could lose, but I, I took Memphis to get it done. They're a better team. So you got them what ten, ten and two, or nine and three? I, nine and three, man. Okay. Wow. It was so you could lock it up. I might, you, you know. They could get Boise that I'm 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 scoring as a loss. I do think the over is the play here, and I I, I kind of like it. I don't know if it's a lock for me, but I kind of like the over here. Uh, how about yourself? So there's there's a lot of uh, it's kind of hard. Like you scan different books if you shop around a little bit. Memphis, I don't know what the reason is. I, I haven't dug into it deep enough to know. It's not showing on a lot of books, so. Um, I've also seen it at seven and a half on DraftKings. I've seen it at eight and a half on another site that uh, somebody I know uses. So eight and a <laughs> half, I think I'm leaving it alone. I'm not touching it. Seven and a half, it is a lock for me. I'm on the over. Schedule's too perfect. Yeah, and I actually think at eight and a half. I know you just had him at nine and three. At eight and a half, I think I lean under because mm. a whole win. Because we're just assuming UAB is going to be ass. Like UAB's roster over like. They've been good over the past five, six years. Like, if Dilfer has any type of brains and just lets the OC and DC do his thing, they're going to be talented. I mean, Alabama just took their starting safety and he's going to start at Alabama. So, like, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like, uh, watch out. Watch out. Um, all right, look, before we get out of here, I had a chance to sit down with Michael Barker, AKA college football campus tour to talk about the legendary, in my opinion, one of the best stadiums in college football, uh, the Liberty bowl. So uh, here's that interview with no further ado, joining me on the college football experience, Memphis tigers, 2023 season preview episode is none other than Michael Barker, AKA college football campus tour, which is a Twitter account that well, Michael Barker is a person that runs this Twitter account. And uh, look, it's at CFB campus tour on Twitter. And wow. I mean, this page must, must follow, must follow. I like, if you love college football, which you should, if you're a Memphis tiger fan, you should hop on over there and follow this Twitter account because for a, he goes to like every college football game that's ever on TV and he documents it on his Twitter account. But B he also shows the history of the stadiums. It's absolutely fantastic. Michael, I appreciate you hopping on the show talking about the Liberty bowl, brother. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And 
I don't think there's a stadium that ends in bowl that I don't really like. So uh, Liberty Bowl is one of my favorites. So um, it has a lot of history and I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, I know it always looks super cool from the outside because of like the uh, just uh, I, I don't even know if I can describe it perfectly, but like it, it reminds me of the Big Sunbrero back when they used to play in Tampa, where it just has this cool architecture to it. Um, I know they're doing renovations or something soon, right? Tell me about the history of this and what those renovations are. Yeah, so um, it is similar in design to Tampa Stadium. Uh, they call it the Big Sunbrero. The best way I could describe it is it is the the sides along the sideline are higher than the end zone and it comes down at a slope and it kind of looks like a sombrero hat. Um, the the big sombrero uh, Tampa Stadium was built two years after the Liberty Bowl, so actually Tampa Stadium was designed to look like uh, the Liberty Bowl. But um, it opened in 1965, it has a 62,000 seat capacity. Um, it's home to the Liberty Bowl bowl game, which started out in Philadelphia, which makes sense because Liberty Bell, Liberty, right? Philadelphia yeah. Uh, yeah. attendance was pretty poor in Philadelphia. So they moved it to, um, to Memphis and it did well. And it's been there since 1975. Uh, they've hosted the Southern heritage classic uh, featuring HBCU since 1970. Um, in 1975, there was a major league baseball exhibition game there between the Braves and the Brewers. And they couldn't move the stand, so right field was 174 feet. And Frank or Hank Aaron played there. And during the exhibition, uh, I read the article, and they said he blooped one over the right field, you know, over the 174 foot fence for a touchdown or for a home run. And then um, tons of leagues have played in the Liberty Bowl. I got the WFL, the NASL, the USFL, even the CFL, the NFL when the Oilers came the XFL and the defunct AAF. So this place gets a ton of action. And then as far as the renovations go, there is a plan to modernize, expand uh, the press box and some other improvements. And I believe that's ready to go in 2025. So I think following the season, they're going to start doing construction at the Liberty bowl. Fantastic. I've lobbied this and I know, I think me and you uh, are in agreement here, but like in one of my, flaws with college football and why we need a commissioner is that we don't, we play these national championships at these like terrible locations, in my opinion, uh, with the exception to the Rose bowl. Like this is one that is historic. That looks awesome. That should be playing a lot more important games that yes, a Memphis, but also one where it's like, if you're doing the CFP and you got a 12 team and then you guys, and like one of the things I hate is that they don't want to play on campus, which I think they should play as many games on campus as possible. But uh, this, if you told me like, okay, no, you got to have a couple uh, when you get to the final four, or when you get to the championship game, if you keep this in rotation, I think, I think the Liberty bowl, along with the sun bowl, the Rose bowl, some other classic stadiums out there uh, should, should be, you know, the ones that get those games instead they you know, they go to like the Mercedes Benz stadium or something like bunch of nonsense there, but I think Liberty bowl is one of those ones that is classic. And I want to see Memphis. There's a lot of talk that Memphis could end up in the big 12. Can you imagine? Then we get some huge games at the, uh, at, at that Liberty bowl. So uh, yeah. Tell me how many times you've been here. And just before I get into that, you know, last year, the national championship was at SoFi stadium. And we know that in LA, the Rose bowl is right there. And I'm thinking, why are we playing the national championship in a, you know, NFL spaceship when we have maybe the most classic stadium in the history of college football available, ready to go. So I'm with you. Uh, I've, I've been to two games at uh, the Liberty bowl in 2018 and 2021. Uh, the most memorable one was 2018. They blew out Georgia state 59 to 22 uh, quarterback, Brady white threw for five touchdowns and NFL running back Daryl Henderson ran for 233 yards, two touchdowns on just 16 carries. And it was, it was a show. It was fireworks. And uh, I'm looking forward to, they play a Thursday night game week three uh, against Navy and I will be there. And what's cool about the the early games, the sun goes down and it's still out and you get these cool photos, uh, you know, with the, the orange bright red sky there right in the background of the Liberty Bowl. So um, I can see that photo and I'm, I'm, you know, looking forward to being back out there to snap it. 
There you go, man. So look, you go down there, folks. Check out, check out the Liberty Bowl. Check out Beale Street. You know, BB Kings, all that stuff. The the Peabody Hotel. It's a perfect connection, folks. And uh, yeah, I hope to see Memphis. I actually, I'm really hoping that Memphis lands up in the Big Twelve because I think it'd be fantastic for the sport of college football because they'd, they'd be getting bigger games. But either way. I am. I am uh, always glad to see a game at the Liberty Bowl, Michael. I appreciate you hopping on this show and and talking about the Liberty Bowl and the Memphis Tigers. And hopefully, like like we said, hopefully we'll see some big time games there. Yeah, big time. And I think part of the reason they're doing the renovation is to make themselves more attractive to possibly the Big Twelve. So exciting times is always a cool experience. But if you build on what they already have with some modernization aspects, it's only going to get better. So. Um, appreciate you having me as always, Colby. Michael Barker. Joining me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I almost played it twice. Uh, Michael Barker. Uh, so, look, let's talk about that because, look, we're both on the over. And to answer your question, eight and four, does, does, should you be happy if you're a Memphis fan? I think, yeah. I think, yeah. Especially knowing it, like to me, eight and four, nine and three, 10 and two. New Year's six. Now, it's a shame it wouldn't be this next year, but you'll have Hennigan back next year. As long as another school doesn't, you know, come in and steal them, and next year you're going to have an auto bid to the playoffs on the line, so it's a huge year. I mean, yes, theoretically, if you knew you were going into the Big Twelve tomorrow, you might want a different coach. I don't know, but uh, I, I think eight or nine wins. What do you think? I think eight or nine does keep his job. I don't know that I would love it. If you're looking to make that jump, yeah. I just haven't really seen anything. And, and when you're talking, I mean, you know, like I said, the main reason I love the over here is because the schedule is so soft. You're beating up on new coaches. Uh, you know, you had UCF and Houston, everybody jumping, you know, to the big 12. So I don't think it's necessarily a, a fair representation of how he is as a coach. Yeah. I go off of the fair. years prior. Fair. The last three. Very fair. And I think I probably agree with you in that capacity. But let's talk about this for one second before we get out of here. This Memphis, Tennessee is a hotbed for recruiting. You're right next to Mississippi, Arkansas. Uh, a lot of talent comes out of uh, Mississippi itself. You're not that far from Louisiana. I do not understand. Like, I know the Big 12 is considering adding, you know, I, I think the, the most recent rumor I've heard is Colorado and Yukon. And that makes a lot of sense, too. Right, I'm not saying they shouldn't get those schools, um, but I think you want to get into that SC, just like the Big Twelve did with grabbing UCF. They got into Florida, and I think Florida, Miami, uh, Florida, you know, uh, Florida State all feel a little threatened by that. Well, Knoxville, Tennessee is a, is a fantastic place. I've been to a game there, but most of the talent in the state of Tennessee comes from the city of Memphis. If you get in there. And you get your games on TV and start playing these fantastic games, and the brand speaks for itself. Long term, I think that could be a great fucking idea. I even the Pac-12. I know the Pac-12 is saying, "Well, we're thinking about expansion." Like, get be progressive. To me, like the Big Twelve just had their best brand stolen by the SEC. Brands, I said, not football teams. Brands, right? Go in. And, and I know they already took UCF, which, like I said, is kind of a punch back because I think long term, the way that their enrollment is ridiculous, I think them they could compete with with Florida long term. I mean, I really, I really do. And then if if you're able to jump into Tennessee and punch back a little bit, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think I, mean, I think they're a sleeping giant, like the chat was talking about earlier. So, what, what's your, what do you think about that? Yeah, and I, I think particularly I'm one of those people. I don't know. I think I have an idea of how you stand on it, but like when I used to play the NCAA video game, like I wouldn't make a move like UConn to the big 12. I get why the big 12 would want to get up into the Northeast, but like having UConn in the big 12 makes my skin crawl. So I'd much rather see a Memphis. And if I was the big 12, I'd much rather want to bring a Memphis in than UConn. That would be my first pick. Uh, as far as what's out there right now, uh, I mean, I think Colo sure. Colorado and Utah would probably be the first, right? Those are like the ones where, like, if because it, it, it Utah BYU rivalry and Colorado's longstanding rivalry with the yeah, big, big Twelve. But I'll say this: like, if they're they're talking about going from twelve to sixteen, because obviously they're at fourteen now, but Oklahoma and Texas leave. If you're going for four and you can't get the Pac-12 schools, 
you know, to me, UConn does make sense for the basketball brand. And then the fact that I think your mark wants the eyes in New York city. Now I know UConn doesn't have a rich history of being successful, but they, they do have money. There's a big alumni there. So like if they can pump that up and, and all of a sudden they, they, they can invest heavily into their football product. Uh, stranger things have happened to me. It's a brand new day and age of college football with the NIL. And if you're that close to New York city and thriving businesses in Connecticut, it's a brand new day and age. I understand it. I think Memphis makes more sense, but I also see the allure of why you would want Yukon. A lot of people just start laughing at that. And I'm like, no, I think actually long-term you think I get it. If you're thinking from like a five to 10 year window, but if you're thinking 50 years down the road, I, I actually think it makes sense. Um, and, and then obviously, uh, you know, I know he's talked about UNLV and Boise, but who knows? We'll, we'll talk about it all throughout the year. Uh, as we we talk college football year round folks. And remember, we, this is just, this is just one episode out of 133. So subscribe to the college football experience. We're on YouTube, youtube.com slash the college experience. Remember also to subscribe wherever podcasts can be found. We also host the college uh, basketball experience, the college baseball experience, the FCS college football experience, and the big 12 experience. Subscribe to all those separate feeds and the sports gambling podcast. Uh, so go check out that as well. And uh, folks, I'm on the over. He's on the over. Give Mike a follow by the way, too, uh, at GCG underscore wins. Mike does great work. And uh, yeah, Mike, appreciate you hopping on the show. Absolutely, brother. Thanks for having me on. Anytime, brother. All right. This is the college football experience, Memphis Tiger style. You better start thinking about yours. And we out of here. Run